little nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. Never apologize for being nerdy. All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. I'm tearing London limb from limb. It's tearing me apart, but it's us or them. So how let the moon, oh how can it be? The softer the skin, the sharper the teeth. Hello, junior ambassadors, nerds and nerdettes of all ages, and welcome to yet another commentary episode of the Nerd Eye Nations podcast. I know, right? We haven't done a commentary track in two years. All of a sudden, bam, two commentary tracks within a couple of months. Insane. What has gotten into us? Maybe we were just getting lazier on the editing process because, you know what? Easier me. I don't have to touch shit in the middle of this. Once I hit play, I don't have to touch anything. But um, not only are we doing a, a commentary track, but we're doing a 40th anniversary commentary track to one of the greatest horror comedies of all time. And that is An American Werewolf in London. Of course, I cannot do this alone. I need my best friend in the whole wide world, my co-host in the great white north of Canada, and this is the only time I'm going to mention it, the one I converted into an American Werewolf fan, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. (laughs) I'm I'm excited to chat about the film in this episode. Well, I knew you were waiting for that reference, so I thought I'd get out of the way quickly. <laughs> yeah, I would have been disappointed if if that uh, that didn't come up. <laughs> but yeah, you were definitely the the influence in in my giving it another chance and then liking it the second time. So. <laughs> Blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, so I'm I'm right every now and then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. so, for those who are unfamiliar, if you're listening to this on the day we drop it, it will be the 40th anniversary of the film, and the film actually came out August 21st, 1981. Also came out the same year as The Howling, which, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Rick Baker, who did the monster makeup for this film, originally started working on The Howling, and he left it to do this one. The Howling's okay. Like, it's not as good as this film, by any means, but it's, an, it's watchable. Yeah, I, I got maybe over halfway through The Howling, and I gave up on it. I... Well, I didn't really get into that one at all. <laughs> I could say this. I could say this about the Howling. While this film we're watching tonight has sex in it and werewolves in it, you get both at the same time in the Howling. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> That's right, you do. <laughs> is is that a good thing? I I don't know. Do I want to know? Uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> well, I had to do something different, I guess. Maybe couldn't couldn't do the same thing, but yeah. Well, I don't know that. Well, well so if, if this is somebody's first episode of Nerd Out Nation's podcast, and they do not know, tell them, what is your history with this film? Uh, well, my history with this film is I, you had, you had told me about it, and so I thought, why not? I'll, I'll give it a watch. It took a little bit of, of digging to find, um, but eventually I, I found it, and I gave it a watch. And I I gave it a really poor review. Um, I straight what? The damn straight you did. (laughs) I know. Shut up. Anyway, this is the past. We're just recapping the the dark history, okay? (laughs) Um. So yeah, I gave it a really poor review. I was like, this is cheesy. This is stupid. This is like, what the hell did you make me watch? Like, it was that whole thing. And (laughs) I just, I was having none of it. And so then it was um, not, it was a little while after that, okay, you kind of, I don't know what you, what you even said. I can't remember. Maybe <laughs> like mind controlled or something. I don't know. But you you kind of pushed my button to be like, watch it again. Watch it again. It's it's good. Watch it again. <laughs> like give it a second chance. And so I finally okay, fine. I'll give it another watch. I'll I'll give it a really good chance. And so my second time around. I gave it a much more positive review. Um, I think I think it was just one of those like first time seeing it. I wasn't really in the mood for it, and because sometimes that that's a thing. So I think this time I was more like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm down for werewolf movie. Let's see how this goes. And I second time loved it. Absolutely loved the film. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the humor. I enjoyed the, you know, I, like even just the visual effects. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So definitely a difference from the first time, which was just like, this is the cheesiest thing ever, to I really love it. And I'm, I can't see Jared's face, but I'm sure he's got the cheesiest grin on his face right now. I know it. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that that's my um, that was my history with it, and uh, so yeah, ever since yeah, I actually own the film now. I own it on Blu-ray, and uh, yeah, I've, I it it had actually been a, a good minute since I've seen the film, but I've seen it quite a few times after my second viewing, and I love it each time. And um, it was actually a little bit of a side story, but. Um, it, it relates to it. Um, I had, there was, um, an Ice Nine Kills merchandise line that they were doing for Valentine's Day. And 
they did a hoodie with um, the lyric from Love Bites on the back. And then they had, which is inspired by An American Werewolf in London. And then they also had like a, uh, it's like a uh, box of chocolates, but with like eyeballs and weird stuff in it. It's really cool. I actually own the hoodie, but at the time, I didn't know, and this was during my dislike of An American Werewolf in London, and I didn't actually know the song. Like, I didn't know the lyric, and I didn't think to, like, Google, like, what the song lyric was. And so I got the hoodie, because I I just loved the design and everything, and then I Googled it after, and it was from that song, and then it was, oh, what movie it was from. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) and at the time it was like oh i don't like that movie but then obviously now it's fine but you know (laughs) so anyway that's that's my history with the film um somebody who just thought it was cheesy to i really love it so there you go well it's about damn time you came to your senses (laughs) Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> my history with the film is it's, it's something that's always kind of been on my radar. Like I've been a fan of John Landis, mostly like Blues Brothers, Animal House, growing up. And I think this movie first came on my radar in high school because I think I saw the porno theater scene on AMC at one point. And of course, it's edited all shit. But then getting into it and then hearing more and more about the film as I grew up. And I think I saw this film all the way through for the first time, probably in my early 20s. And just loved it. Because I love a good balance of horror and comedy. And I think this is one of the few films that does achieve that perfect balance of horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. And I've been a fan of it ever since. I, I don't have the Blu-ray edition yet, but I do have... Um, I found a cheap version of the Full Moon edition, which comes with a whole disc full of bonus features to watch. So. Nice. so I think we should get this party rolling. So if you're watching along with us at home, Melissa and I are both at zero, 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 zero. Mm-hmm. And we'll cut down. Melissa, are you ready? Yep. Listeners, are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I was waiting for the listeners. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, play. I got the Universal logo coming up right now. Yep, there it is. <laughs> so, Melissa, are you a fan of uh, John Landis's work at all outside of this? Yeah. Blues Brothers. Yes. Um, actually, mo- well, for the most part, mostly Blues Brothers. Like, I have seen like Animal House and obviously um, this film and. Uh, there may have been some other things, but off the top of my head, they're not coming to me. But yeah, um, definitely a, a fan of his of his work. If you can find it, there's a real good one he did back in 2010 with uh, Andy Serkis and Simon Pegg called uh, Burke and Hare. Okay. Really funny. I, I had it on Blu-ray, but it ended up being a. Uh, a version I couldn't play in America. That oh. was 10, 20 bucks down the drain. Oh. <laughs> like, a, like a 
British version or something? Like, kind of. A- it must have been, but I didn't really think that didn't matter for Blu-rays. Because yeah. uh, I mentioned I mentioned the show before that my uh, my Pirates of the Caribbean uh, collection is all from uh, Ireland. Those <laughs> <laughs> played just fine, but for for some reason my Birkin hair didn't want to. It's a really it's a good it's Atlantis, so it's like the horror comedy. Okay, I'll have to. Yeah. I just wrote it down, so I'll have to check that out definitely. This makes me makes me want to visit Wales. <laughs> Just uh, stay away from the Moors. You <laughs> <laughs> were the Moon Lads. <laughs> now, did you the first time you watched this, or how long did it take you to realize that every song in this film has the word "moon" in it? It didn't take me too long to realize that. <laughs> I mean, from right off the hop, it's you know blue moon. So, and then it was just okay. There's three ver- There's three versions of blue moon in this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what what is it? I actually read about it. It's like, is it seven different songs with the word moon in it or something? I can't remember what the number was. Well, yeah, three versions of blue moon. We got Bad Moon on the Rise by CCR later in the movie. Yeah. Um, I can't think of them all, but uh, I remember reading an IMDb trivia today that um, he wanted uh, he wanted a song by Cat Stevens. Mm. Cat Stevens said no. Uh, he couldn't get Elvis' version of Blue Moon because of the licensing with his estate at the time. And uh, I believe he also wanted Bob Dylan's version of Blue Moon. He couldn't get it because Bob Dylan just recently became a Christian. So he wanted nothing <laughs> to do with it. Same, Cat Stevens had the same response, too. Ah, uh, that, that would make sense, then. He wouldn't want anything to <laughs> any part of this film. <laughs> I think I read also in the IMDb that John Lance like, well, your song is about violence and all this other stuff. <laughs> Violence and destruction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Still, I mean, still decent music choices, though. And I mean, I can't, I, I cannot, like, you know how you can't, like, unsee something? Like, whenever I hear Bad Moon Rising, um, I, I instantly think of the, like, that one scene that it's in. I, I always think of it. Like, I, I just... I hear it and I just see that scene, the whole thing that just plays out in my head. <laughs> Good scene. Well, here we are. We just met our lead characters. Yep. Jack and David. I wonder, because the driver of the truck just warned him to stay off the moors. Mm-hmm. Ever wonder how everybody, nobody in this village does anything about it? They just tell the. I guess they go as far as to warn them, but they don't do anything else about it, you know? Yeah, it's, they're, they very much, like, you, you, you really get that when they, they finally, they, they get to the, the slaughtered lamb, um, where they just really want to cover it up. Like, it's, it's definitely not something that, you know, they, they want to talk about, they want to share, but they'll, they'll have that warning of, you know, 
stick to the road, you know, <laughs> keep from the moors, and, you know, best of luck. Like, that's all they'll say. They won't say anything else. And, you know, even when they try and question, like, okay, why is there pentangle on the wall, and why is there candles? They're like, mm, no, let, let's avoid that, you know. So I, I think, yeah, they, they really just, they, they just want to, have it leave it be the elephant in the room and that's it like they just don't want to recognize it even though they all know and are aware so but and even like the out, sort of outside community is because i feel like that the guy that dropped them off is sort of like outside but he knows so like even he doesn't you know he'll just warn them but that's it I think I'd, for all the years of apartment living, I loved to live in a small village like this, East Proctor. <laughs> Be surrounded by fucking nobody. Oh, right? Exactly. Slaughtered lamb. Yeah. I, I, I get me a silent gun. That would be awesome. I do like that sign. That sounds really cool. What kind of ad is that for a pub? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple of cameos here in this scene. Got the guy playing. I heard this for the first time on our friend Robert Entheus show, uh, Pods and Monsters, where they, the dart player is from uh, the Parts of the Caribbean franchise. He's Admiral, <laughs> Admiral Norrington's right hand man. Well, what I pointed out to uh, yeah. well, who I pointed out to them was uh, this chess player right here on the left. And that's Rick May, Drop Dead Fred. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, yeah, the... I don't. There's a show called The Young Ones too. That's our Roman, but it's probably most well known for Drop Dead Fred. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the other guy I definitely recognized. It was like, I knew he was from something, like something more like recent, and I couldn't place it. I was like, that's it, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> so every time you watch Pirate, every time you watch Dead Man's Chest and uh, World's End, you're going to say, you made me miss. <laughs> <laughs> I never missed this board before. <laughs> I'm going to think at what? You gave up on your darts game or <laughs> you missed too many times? <laughs> Remember <Yeah>. the Alamo. <laughs> I remember the Alamo. <laughs> I saw it in Leicester Square. <laughs> Yeah, it really. I love this looks pretty funny. Hmm. It really when they they get to this this part, like it really sets the tone of of things, like how you know kind of tight knit the community is. Like everybody knows everybody, you know, they all know that what's going on, but they won't share it. But you kind of get hints as to what's going on. And then, you know, and then it, 
I, I like how it kind of lightens up, like the guy telling the joke, you know. <laughs> but then it it just it it kind of you know it has that high part of him telling the joke, everybody's having a good time, laughing, whatever, and then it just goes down again, like it's just that instant like flip of things. <laughs> but the joke is quite funny. <laughs> This is gonna be one of those movies that are gonna be hard. There's gonna be being quiet because I just love this movie so much. I get swept up in it. Oh, I know. You you really do. Like you you really get just yeah hooked. Like you're you're with you know Jack and David in the in this in the pub, right? Like you're with them. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Jack is raised to the laughter. What's the star on the wall for? It's like they suddenly suddenly remember, like, oh, he just reminded them. Like, dude, oh, you made me miss. (laughs) (laughs) Missed the board before. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> There's no food here. <laughs> so it's that slightly creepy when, like, I mean, you kind of know, but, like, you know, we can't let them go. Like, it's a little bit ominous at first. Until you realize, like, she's sort of trying to, you know, subtly protect them, but also not. Like, she's, you know, trying to not show that she cares, you know? She let them go, but she didn't try to stop them from sending them out. No, no. But I think she, I, I could see, like, you know, being kind of worried as to the reaction of the others, especially, like, you know, you can see, like, the the one gentleman, like, he was just like, no, I didn't hear nothing, see nothing, like, I, you know, he, you know. And even after, they're sort of, like, really, you can kind of see, yeah. like, them thinking about it, like, oh, maybe. Well. I don't get that the dart player told them they should leave. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that said they should leave, and all of a sudden he like has a he has a change of heart faster than anybody else does. Besides the barmaid who never wanted them to leave to begin with. Yeah. Pentangle. Pentangle. <laughs> like really? That that got me. That <laughs> like pentangle really. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's another way of pronouncing that, but I, I don't think so. <laughs> Always been pentagram for me. Yeah, same here. I've never heard pentangles. No. I don't know. Now, they were told to stay on the road. And they, how did they not? How the, how they not realize they weren't on the road anymore? Exactly. 
You've heard it, like, I don't know how many times now? Stick to the road. Keep from the moors. <laughs> I do love this whole debate they have back in the pub, whether or not, like, how they think they would have taken it if they would have told them the truth. And this... I was associated with the best... Of all the werewolf movies that's in my life, this is by far the most terrifying werewolf howl I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. If I was out walking in the dark like this in the middle of like a field and heard that, I would pants instantly shit. <laughs> right? Like, oh, especially when you, you know, you couldn't, if you couldn't see it or anything, like no other lights or anything, like, oh god, that'd be absolutely terrifying. Stick to the road. Oops. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember hearing on Robert Anthony's show that if you listen to this in uh, surround sound, that you can hear it when the wolf is circling them. Oh, that would be that would be really awesome, actually. Yeah. I would just add to it even more. I mean, it's it's already like ugh, when you're you're watching it, you know, regular, but with surround sound. Oh, that would that would be something else. Well, sure. Hopefully, you think they'd have it in the theaters this year for an anniversary show? They'd definitely go see it then if I could. Yeah, I feel like they've played it at my local movie theater before, but. I just obviously, you know, wasn't a fan then, so, I mean, even, like, way before that, I think they've, but it would be really cool if they did, because I'd love to see this movie on the big screen. That would be really awesome. So what do you think their reaction would have been if the people at the pub told them that there was a werewolf? Because it seems like after uh, we'll spoiler, we're about to see the demise of uh, Jack, but uh, David is pretty uh, convinced that it was a world that attacked him when he wakes up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're aware, they're aware of the Lon Chaney film that came out 40 years prior. What mm-hmm. do you think they would have? What do you think their reaction would have been in the pub if they were told there was a werewolf? I think initially. It it would have been that, like, kind of awkward laughter, you know? Like, yeah, right, you know? And, and I they would have been like, and, and I'm Lon Chaney or something. Like, it would be some whip like that, you know? Um, but then I think if, you know, they, you know, I, I mean, like, the, the villagers themselves, they wouldn't have been, have, it, like, the expression of, like, you know, humor. They wouldn't have been serious about it, so... I think at first it would have been that kind of laughter, but then the little bit, and I think it would sink in, like, oh, this is, you know, real. Like, if they said something along the lines of, like, and that's, you know, why we have the, the you know, the, the pentagram on the wall thing. Like, that's our protection from this thing, you know. So I, I think I think David 
they would have taken it um, seriously, but Jack, I don't know. Maybe not, but um, but I think it, it would eventually, I think it would sink in for them. But I mean, like, um, it, they would be sort of, um, I think a little shaken up by it, like, you know, the possibility of it, because I think they, they have that mindset of, you know, a good, you know, mindset of they would think about it and it would sort of percolate in their, their mind and be like, you know, kind of a what if, and then it actually happening. So, yeah, I, I think, I think they would have, um, not, not immediately, but eventually taken it like seriously. What do you think? Jenny Auditor. <laughs> oh, the fact that we know afterhand that that David Z is pretty convinced that it was a werewolf, I think he would have, like you said, would have been met with that nervous, that kind of that nervous tension. Like they played off like they were a joke at first, and then I think it would set in for a while, or maybe it would make more sense to uh, David afterwards, or at least give him some precedent to back it up on. Hmm. Yeah, and maybe like. You know, they would come back to, you know, then, you know, remembering, like, how they were warned, you know, like, staying on the road, don't go to the, around the moors, you know, it would have been, like, putting those pieces together, like, okay, this thing is not something to sort of be, like, it's, it's not a joking thing, it's, this is legit, and okay, we need to be careful. Yeah, good on Jack for not holding against David in the afterlife for running away while he's being while he's essentially being mauled to death. Mm. I do love Jenny Auger in this film, though. Yeah. My first exposure to her though was uh, Child's Play Two. I love her in this film. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was either Jeremy Lloyd or Tim or guy posting the real fans page sometime back. Like who would you go on a date with back in the eighties, an actress or character back in the eighties. I put Jenny Auditor from this film. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good choice. Very good choice. <laughs> Holy shit. It's Miss. It's our first of two Star Wars crossovers in this film. Yes. <laughs> I do like Frank Oz's little cameos that he has in all John, Land- John Landis films, like between this and Blues Brothers and his cameo he has in, um, not Coming to America, but Trading Places. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's another drama in this one. That's right. I love that movie too. Yeah, trading yeah. places I watch like every Christmas leading into New Year's. Yeah. I haven't watched that movie in a, quite a while, actually. I do own it. He's <laughs> Frank Oz's character. <laughs> 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 it's like it's not the time for the run. hysterics. <laughs> oh, Frank Oz. <laughs> it's 
something what was this something along the lines of oh not not appreciating the work we did. <laughs> like, dude, he's freaking out. Get a clue. <laughs> like he got him riled up and he's acting like he's trying to get him to calm down. Like, they're there. They're <laughs> yeah, there. Like <laughs> that is the most like unfeeling <laughs> comfort ever, quote unquote comfort. <laughs> I do enjoy his cameo in this one, but I think my favorite is in Blues Brothers. <laughs> I just this his disgusted look on his face and he picks it up with his pen like Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Well technically this is only his first of two cameos in this film actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I, I like this scene with the, the officers. Oh, I'll have tea. Oh, no. Uh, maybe later. <laughs> I feel like the, the other guy was, like, paid off or something. Because he always seems to sort of, like, cover it up. And they, like, they kind of get, like, a bring up a point or something, and he's just like, nope. Where he's kind of kind of sketchy about it. I don't know. Oh, the one that's sitting down right now. Yeah, yeah. It almost seems like he's just like he just wants this case closed and wants to move on from it. So that he's just in a more of urgency to get it over with and move on mm-hmm. to the next one. Like one of those guys that's close to retirement and yeah, that's true. Wants to get through to the next one. So I think he's just at the urgency just to get it closed and move on. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Like this is just you know, this is silliness. I'm done. The other guys got a bit younger. Yeah. You can tell these guys are both definitely here for comic relief too. They they very much remind me of like whenever Monty Python does like stuff with the Scotland Yard and everything, so Yeah. Yeah. I get a very money Python vibe off of those two. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I can almost I can almost see um like maybe I mean well, I mean based on the age I guess too, but I could almost see like um uh, Graham Chapman being the the guy in the blue jacket, the blue coat, and then like John Cleese being the other one, other guy. I don't know. I just feel like th- they would be the two to be that. <laughs> I always thought maybe we got Graham Chapman and Jam uh, Graham or John Cleese could be the would be the older sergeant. I always thought Michael Palin would be like the younger one. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Michael Palin would be a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought my like at first glance, I thought Michael Palin was the taxi driver to, towards the end of the film too. Like at first glance, mm-hmm. 
Now here's a scene that got uh, David Naughton fired from Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was this scene or the scene of the zoo earlier or in the scene of the zoo later. I think it might have been this one. That, that particular scene. I, can't, I read about that too. I was looking when I was doing a little bit of um a little bit of back research just to know about it. And I think it was that that particular scene. <laughs> Tell that kid's not an actor. <laughs> yeah. Doing better? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, these are lovely comic books. Do you like them? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kid just touched your butt. I I envy that kid. Uh, right? That kid just went to the top of my list of people I envy. <laughs> I hadn't seen her in much. Besides this child's play, too, that I hadn't I haven't actually seen her again in anything else until she appeared in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. her in that one uh she's the older senator lady oh, okay hmm i'm gonna have to rewatch that now because i'll be like oh my god <laughs> i'll probably recognize her i read an imdb that apparently david naughton had a crush on jenny Agutter because he was going to school he was going to school in london <laughs> and he says that he saw her in a play and uh, as a stable girl. I can't remember which play it was. But um, then Jenny Auger said years later that she must have seen him somebody else because she did the film adaptation, not the stage adaptation. <laughs> hmm. I guess she appears nude, so I need to look up for that film. <laughs> When I was when I was watching this spoilers guys I watched this earlier <laughs> second viewing right now um, I was like you know I mean even even you know the couple viewings since now it's like I always think you know when they're at her her flat it's like David Naughton's a lucky bastard <laughs> that's all I'm saying <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> Sexual tension is real in this scene. Right? It's so real. You could you could freaking cut it with that knife on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how she's not taking his like <laughs> she's like, no, you're gonna eat. <laughs> I don't care if you're not hungry. <laughs> What do you feel about these nightmare sequences in this film? This one's kind of creepy. Like the the especially like when he gets he sees like him in the in the hospital bed. Um that 
and then just like you just see that that shot and it oh I don't know it's got like, just a creepy vibe about it. Well, I think David Naughton said that's like the worst. That was the worst one for him because of those glass contact lenses. Oh yeah. Well, apparently those things they were brutal back then. I remember reading something. I think it was in um. It was a um. Oh my goodness, a Bruce Campbell uh, biography that Bruce Campbell did. And you're talking about the the glass contacts and that they're just awful, <laughs> awful things. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. They, I feel like they would, oh, I just, I wouldn't want to stick one of those in my eye. Like, oh. Well, I guess what, what you do for, for the craft, I guess, for acting. <laughs> yeah. I think they are going to be almost impossible to see in, too. Yeah. I've heard that, too, that they were not the, like, you could barely see when when you're, when they had those on. And I feel like, like, those being kind of colored like that, oh, you probably <laughs> couldn't see at all. Giving her the once-over. <laughs> <laughs> like I said earlier, can you blame him? <laughs> <laughs> Phil from Child's Play 2 does not know how lucky he has it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I feel like when, you know she starts to read that story, it's like it's it's almost like the two of them kind of thing, like in a in a sort of different way. Oh, here's Frank Oz again. <laughs> this time all gussied up. <laughs> Apparently, I don't think this that one's available in America. That particular episode, or is it that sketch specifically, or that episode is available in the, in the states. Oh, really? Well, it was all filmed in London. Most of it was all filmed mm-hmm. in London, so I'm sure some of it didn't make it over here in America. Yeah. I think this, this is probably the most bizarre of the nightmare sequences right here. Yeah, this one's really weird. And but apparently, there is Rick Baker. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Rick Baker was was one of those monkey things. <laughs> uh, the, he's the demon with the knife to Dave Naughton's throat. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this one, uh, this one's very random. And I remember, like, I, I always kind of think that, like, it's just, you know, you know, it's a kind of a legit nightmare scene. But then I, I really like how. You know, there's that scene, and then it cuts to him, like, waking up, like he's waking up from his nightmare, but then it continues. Like, it's just, like, she opens the curtain, and boom! Like, it's the nightmare's not over yet. And Christopher Nolan watched this and said, I have an idea for a dream inside of a dream. 
I love this scene. He's just all like, good morning, here's some breakfast, here's this, and there's that. And then he's like, oh, uh, good morning, <laughs> after he leaves. <laughs> That's what it feels like when you're, you know, and I stayed in hospital for, you know, a few days and before surgery, and it was just like, you you wake up and it's like, oh, hello, we got to do this, got to do this. It's like, huh? And you're still like half asleep, so it's like I feel that. <laughs> now we just we just we just approached one of the first scenes that got butchered to shit in the editing process. Mm. The hell is that? <laughs> but um, yeah, um, so there was three scenes that had to get edited to shit. So they could maintain the R rating, and this was one of them, because they originally wanted some toast to fall out of Jack's the gash in Jack's throat. Yeah. I want to see that that, so bad. They could. Are you freaking kidding me? They couldn't do that. This is the violence level, you know, and the gore and everything. This is some of the best like makeup ever I've seen on somebody that's been torn up like this. Yeah. This is I really love that that degeneration process. Like just how he's you know he's only like just basically it's almost like he just after he'd been mauled to death. And then, you know, I love that slow like as you you know, see him come back even more and just more of that breakdown. It's just so cool. But that, I would, I want to see the toast now. I want to see that. <laughs> hashtag <laughs> release the Landis cut. Yeah, really. <laughs> Throw the hashtag. <laughs> release the Landis cut. <laughs> well, his son's rewriting. Uh, his son's doing. Uh, well, his son's been working on a remake of this film forever. So hopefully. Oh yeah. He put. Oh. I think it's a kid. This remake. Hmm. Now, what this part questions me is that how is David the last werewolf? How how is there only one werewolf at a time? Yeah, exactly. David is the last. So they're trying to say David is the last werewolf on Earth, or is he the last one in that bloodline? Yeah, that's what I like. I I think it. I, I, I think it like must be that a, he's the last one in that particular bloodline. Yeah, I I think that would make sense. Um, because I like I, I can't see him being the the only werewolf because you still have the one that that killed Jack, right? So it's not like he it's not like the werewolf who killed him and then he dies or something and then he bites David and oh he's he's dead now. I think it's the bloodline thing. That would make sense. Just to, to you know, he has to die so to sever that that bloodline so that nobody else turns and keeps that going.
Also, that kiss. It's boring. <laughs> I want that on a shirt. You ever try talking to a corpse? It's yes. boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> but, uh, I read on IMDb that John Landis told. Uh, Griffin Dunn that whenever he appears on screen he has to appear like bright and happy and all that stuff like still remain optimistic and stuff even in death which I think makes sense for that character because he he's very much that goofy guy like he's you know um, like a pretty pretty happy go lucky kind of guy kind of seems like Especially initially, like, when you first meet the two and, and they're just kind of being, you know, goofy and whatever. And, you know, especially after, like, they leave, like, they're singing and whatever and, you know. So I can, I can see him, you know, that, that works for him. God, the tension between these two is just insane. I think you need to do the... Tie-dye leopard spots in your hair now. <laughs> like these guys. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can pull that off. <laughs> I mean, like I've I've done hair graffiti, which is just doing like the shaved designs and stuff. I've done that, but I uh, I don't think I could do leopard print. <laughs> 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 and do you know the name of the street that Alex lives on? No. I feel like I Lupin. should. What was that? Lupin. Ah. There's a lot of Disney stuff in the background in this house, yeah, in the film in yeah. general, because look at the children's wing of the hospital. There's Donald Duck in the background. There's Donald Duck in the back of here. Yeah. Plus, from Jack shows the beginning, he has the, he has the Mickey Mouse doll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do enjoy this scene. Like she's, you know, turning around her her flat, and but then, you know, it's just. It's so awkward. Like she just, it, it's showing like a part of her life, and it's just kind of like, Ugh. and then especially when they get to the bedroom, it's like, this is the bedroom, and uh... <laughs> I'm not in the habit of bringing home stray young American men. <laughs> I should hope not. <laughs> There's only one bed. <laughs> Watch Telly when I take a shower. Well, <laughs> scene number two to be edited down to maintain the R rating. 
<laughs> Hashtag release the fucking Landis cut. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Stephen Naughton's a lucky bastard. <laughs> She thought the prices of groceries were insane. Wait till she gets the water bill after this month. (laughs) (laughs) I think she'd be like, worth it. (laughs) Fuck the werewolf, bro. Yep. <laughs> I read on MDB that uh, Jenny Yagater said that when she had first get nude for uh, the shower scene, she noticed that a lot more people showed up around the set to watch than normal. <laughs> Or crew members were around than usual. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, I wonder why. (laughs) Oh, I I was needed today. (laughs) I'm the backup. I'm the backup grip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love this reveal here of Jack yeah me too I was like wait for it I love it <laughs> he's like <laughs> He's just facial expressions. Like he's just standing there, like hi. Don't don't be a putz, David. (laughs) (laughs) Nurse, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I I really love that they, you know, he he keeps his personality. You know, he doesn't like he, he doesn't change just because he's dead. You know. Like he's still like you know, especially like you know, don't be a pot or oh nurse, huh? Like <laughs> he's still cheeky. <laughs> Hi, David. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Especially when he like pushes the hand, like Hi, dude. <laughs> Yeah, you really see how you know David's really, you know, having like a. I mean, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like you, you kind of find out that you know you're a werewolf and that you could, 
you know, if you change, you potentially hurt people. And, and then the fact that, you know, you have to, you know, basically you have to kill yourself. It's like, it's a, you know, scary thing. And you really see him like struggle with that. It's, it's kind of, I remember the first time I saw this, like how they kept telling him to kill himself. And then when you see in the porno theater later, everybody else and the, all of David's victims are like thinking of all these ways to like how he can kill himself. Like this is kind of dark in a little way because yeah. it doesn't really like you watch like you watch the original Lon Chaney Wolf Man. Like it takes a definitely dark turn there. Yeah, definitely. And when you haven't you haven't watched The Howling, but uh, when spoilers D Wallace gets turned into one, she has people there off screen to like kill her. Mm-hmm. Once she shows she when she exposes what worlds what they are. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> kind of a dark turn. It's kind of like a dark element to say you got to kill yourself, David. You got to kill yourself. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's you know imagine hearing that you know like you have to kill yourself and it's just like. You know, you you're at that spot where it's just like, you know, you know you need to, but it's also like you don't want to, and that's kind of where he's at. Like he's just really, you know, I mean, who wouldn't be? You know, kind of stuck with that. Like such a hard thing to wrap your head around. And props to Nurse Alex for being the most uh, understanding person in the world. She's not looking at him like he's crazy. Or, not treating him like he's crazy or anything. Absolutely. I like I like that uh, her response is that I believe you loved him very much and you blame himself. You blame yourself for his death and all that stuff. So uh, I do like her reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really love how she's, you know, she's definitely the most, like, she's supportive, but then she's, you know, very level-headed. Like, she's, you know, with him, you know, thousand percent on this one, and she's not, you know, freaking out over it or anything. Like, she's she's there, and, and that's, you know, I, I really love that, because sometimes you have those, you know, those moments in films with, you know, a female hears something or, you know, like a character admits something to a female and then they instantly, like, go freak out and whatever, but she doesn't. You know, and I, I really like that. Well, it's... I think her reaction would be different if she just met him. Like, yeah, they've only known each other for a little over three weeks at this point, so yeah. she's been around yeah. him long enough to know that he's gone through something terrible. Mm-hmm. Something very traumatic. Mm-hmm. But let's say it's, she just picked him up off the street, then you get this dude's cuckoo for cocoa puffs. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely. Plus, with her being a nurse, I'm sure she's seen a lot of stuff too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Shadow. Do you want to chime in on this? Come here. <laughs> Come here. Yeah, it would. It would definitely. It would be a different situation um, for sure if she. Um. You know, yeah, just just kind of met him or whatever, but um, 
yeah, she's probably she probably has seen quite a few things, so this is kind of like, okay, you know what, just another thing that I'm, you know, I'm gonna, you know, deal with and be supportive about, and you know. Small Guinness would suffice. Mm-hmm. I do love that. I think now this scene with the doctor doing his own investigating here at the slaughtered lamb, I think it, it very much settles, sets up this village is very uh, close-knit and that they don't like outsiders wandering in. So it I guess I could see in a way now that why they want to keep this whole werewolf thing a secret. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's very much, you know, yeah, you, you, and that's the you know thing with like those smaller villages. Like I kind of said earlier too that, you know, it's one of those things where like everybody knows everybody. You know, they're they're very like you said like close knit. They're, you know, and and when something happens, you know that's big like this they're gonna cover it up because otherwise kind of a word gets out and then they're the in the spotlight right when they when they kind of don't want to be you definitely see that yeah they they kind of treat them the same as as they did you know um jack and david, david and jack yeah you know you're you know you're not you're not a local to the village when <laughs> but they're not they're not doing a like the barmaid and uh and this fellow right here they're not doing they're not doing as good of a job like a very convincing job that like that they don't know anything yeah, I like, I like how the thunder the thunder plays into it too. Mhm. Yeah. He this guy like at the, sitting at the the chess table like he's very much like no, not having it. No, like he's no. But the other two, they're they're I think they're you know, especially him like soon like when he's talking to the the doctor after. But like you know those two, they they really. You know, I think they they want to share it. I think they they. It's it's almost like they're just they're tired of holding that secret. Like they want to tell, you know, if somebody asks about it, like they'll tell them, kind of thing. But then they're also playing off as well. I I don't know anything. Like they, you know. The guilt's obviously getting to a lot of them after a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a mixture. It's a mixture of the guilt getting to them that they don't want to be sending people off to be slaughtered. But at the same time, they also don't want the news of this getting around at the same time too. So mm-hmm. it's a hell of a struggle for I think a lot of them. And you can tell here with this guy right here that the guilt's just getting to them after yeah. for so long. Yeah, like he's definitely reached his his limit of of holding that guilt and and that secret you can definitely see that like he's how he's just urgently you know telling him everything whatever was happening and you know I, i think that would be so you know such a 
tough thing to, you know, be in a small community like that and have such a big thing to hold on your shoulders. Now, after hearing David talk about everything he did in the hospital, now what's the doctor's reaction, do you think? Especially after encountering all the suspicious activity at the slaughtered lamb. I, I think he's he's definitely a little bit more on board. Like, okay, this is, you know, what he was told before it definitely isn't, you know, fabricated or hallucinated bullshit, you know? And I, and I think it already shows when he goes to the village. Like, he, he goes there to, you know, casually talk and kind of do his own little bit of investigating. You know, because I, th- I think he, he kind of has an inkling, like, okay, this is a little bit, like, legit, but he wanted to go see for himself. And I think he he's like, okay, he sort of has that, that reaction of, okay, this is, you know this is legitimate like there there wasn't anything you know um no no lies detected <laughs> you know i think you know he's you know david's out, outside the window and how easily he opens it it's like Surprised like she hasn't been broken into before. <laughs> like how he, he gets through the window. <laughs> well, hopefully nobody was watching and called the police. <laughs> right? Less <laughs> people, people nearby saw him walk out. But... Yeah. Yeah, you see him walk out, but then you think, okay, well... You know, why is he going through the window? I love his his <laughs> looking at himself in the mirror like rrr, rrr. <laughs> snarl. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't miss the board. The dark board. <laughs> Naughty Nina. (laughs) (laughs) So cheesy. Just the random, the random uh, humor of John Landis there. Yeah. And I I love in this, like she's just kind of like looks to the camera, looks you know dramatic look. Get truth about Naughty Nina. (laughs) (laughs) I really love this too. Like, he just has no idea what to do with himself. Like, he's just, you know, watch TV. I don't know. Have a nap. (laughs) Not hungry. I'm still not hungry. (laughs) (laughs) 
little bit disappointment. Like, I'm still not hungry. <laughs> Slam the fridge door. <laughs> This must have been this must have been something where he Landis just told him to improvise or something. Let the camera roll. Yeah, must have been, yeah. But I mean it works because he's just sort of you know, he's he's you know, in a different place and you know, it's like, Well what do I do now? What do I do with myself? <laughs> You're in London, dude. <laughs> yeah, really? There's freaking lots to do, man. That that London is is my bucket list trip, man. Oh my goodness. That I would be great. I would so love to visit there. I wouldn't be bored like David. <laughs> No. No. <laughs> Have you ever been so really beaten in the face and neck? The <laughs> <laughs> new comeback I'm going to try to use on people now. Have you ever been so really beaten in the face and neck? Blue moon. Here we are. Uh, here comes. At least the most recognizable, like well, most well known scene in the whole film, I think, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole scene, like he just, oh, especially when you're, you're, you know, the bone cracks and snaps and, oh, it just, you feel it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Watching the hand stretch, watch his face stretch. Yeah. So for those who didn't, if those who listeners don't know, uh, uh, before the COVID pandemic, I was working on a play, and uh, one of the sketches in that play I was working on was where I had to start freaking out, and uh, this scene was the inspiration I used for my freak out scene where I just yelled, "Oh God, I'm burning!" Like I, this is like the scene I, I channeled Mentor David Naughton here. Well, the play is since resumed but th- that sketch got cut but this is what i took a clip of this sent to my director and the people i was in that sketch with i go this is my inspiration for the freak out then that one scene and it was like that was perfect like whenever i think of somebody freaking out or this is what i think of mm-hmm. i love how it's mixed in with that line i didn't mean to call you meatloaf jack <laughs> yes <clears throat> yeah It's such an amazing uh, transformation. Like, just. I remember because, like, I have I've got the the Blu-ray version of of this film and there's actually a lot of behind the scenes with it. And they talked about how they did this. And one of the things that I remember from it was um, like when that like the hands are growing and they had it. 
um, set up where there's like basically almost like straws, and then they were pushing air up, and that air pushed up the fingers and like made them like the fingers go up and like grow. I was like, it's really cool. Like this goes down in history. My book is like the greatest werewolf transformation ever. Oh, I have a thousand percent. Like props, props to how the howling does it with like the little pouches of air and everything, sort mm-hmm. of similar. To, but uh, this one has hand like all the werewolf movies I've seen. This one is hands down the best. Yeah, it's it's honestly, you know, the the most realistic, like. You know how much pain he's in, and just you know, the, as he's shifting and changing, and you know, it's just absolutely incredible. And you know, it's it being you know this being a, a forty-year-old movie now, like it still holds up. Definitely between this and Jack's makeup, you definitely see why this is the first film to ever win the best makeup Oscar. Yeah. Why Rick Baker's gone on to win seven of those awards total. Mm -hmm. Well deserved. Like Rick Baker is just amazing at his at at what he does. I I actually I I follow um, Rick Baker on Instagram and he every Halloween and he 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 begins it like really early in the year like what he's going to do like for um cuz he he's got a daughter and so he'll do all the like do creation on on his daughter and it is so cool some of the stuff that he's done and he he does even like little projects and things and he's just amazing at at his creations I think he just released a book a few years ago too Oh yeah I remember him him talking on a podcast. I want to say it's maybe WTF with Mark Marin. Hmm. Yeah. Just incredible stuff. Now you see they're definitely these two, they're definitely on board with things. And I think the doctor definitely he's he's definitely like, yep. We need to do something. Uh, I love the sound of that. With this was a character's name is Sean out looking for Harry and his wife. Just that squish. <laughs> yes. Like I don't have this. I don't have the sound on, but I can still hear that squish. Yeah. <laughs> you almost it's it's that. Oh God! Like you kind of and his look of. Where did I step in? And <laughs> definitely not what you expect. <laughs> I do love us just walking through those. Is that you, Harry? <laughs> oh, it's Sean's fault. They want to go around the back, and you know, it was his Harry's fault. They want to go around the back and give Sean a scare. Exactly. Oh, I don't know how would have. <laughs> They lived upstairs. I don't know how else to give him a scare. Right? <laughs> In a lot of the, the British flats, like, it's a upstairs thing. So, it's like, dude. 
Going in the back's not going to help anything. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting how, you know, the doctor, like, initially he's, you know, a little bit skeptical, like, it's, you know, it's all in his head, you know, psychiatric thing, and then, you know, he goes to the village and, and investigates and comes back, and it's like, yep. Oh, it's, I think he still thinks it's in his head, because he thinks it's, it's something, it's in their head and all of the people that live in East Proctor. Because they're so convinced that Jack died by a werewolf that David would be convinced too. Yeah. Now we now we've reached our third scene that got edited to hell for the R-rated cut. It's the slaughter of the three homeless men. Oh. Yeah. Really? They're they're killed they're killed off screen. Oh right. That's right, they I'll are. I'll say it one more time. I'll say it again. Release the Landis cut. <laughs> yes, this needs to happen. <laughs> you think... Well, I, I mean, I think it's... Maybe my, my questions, it answers itself, but... Do you think if, you know, a lot of the scenes you know, weren't edited out like if they were kept. Do you think the 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 tone of the film would change? Like, you know, how there's there's that balance of dark and, and humor. Do you think it would be a little bit darker and not as funny? Or what do you think? I don't I think it just would make the funnier moments pop out more actually. So I saw nine to be that they said this was like Somebody said it was too dark to be a comedy and too funny to be a horror movie. Mm. And while we're on the scene, this is our second Star Wars crossover. Are you aware who this gentleman is? I I've... I feel if like you don't, I assure you, this is at least not a bit amusing. Oh. <laughs> That's Michael Carter who would go on to play Bib Fortuna in Return of the Jedi. Oh my god. Yeah, I learned that from um with Gorley and Rust because they did they did an American Wolf in a London episode a few years ago. Or a few months ago, sorry. A few months ago they did an episode of American Wolf in London. They pointed out that was Bib Fortuna from Return of the Jedi. Um Job of the Hutt's uh, wacky. Holy shit. <laughs> we, got, we got Yoda and Bib Fortuna. <laughs> and um, a non-stop orgy. <laughs> See you next Wednesday. Next <laughs> <laughs> of course, a running gag throughout every John Landis film. <laughs> yep. This scene is also, I think, the one scene we see most of the werewolf, too. Mm-hmm. And it's full form, not including the transformation scene. Because mm-hmm. you really... You hear it. I really, I do like how little they show the werewolf. Yeah. 
Me too, because it's it really adds that that. It adds that—that's the horror element. In I that. just love that shot of him walking, him walking up to the escalator while he's going up the escalator. It's so—it's kind, of, kind of a badass shot. It is, yeah. I cut right to the line. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you know what's going down in that moment, like. No, I was on IMDb. I was reading about David Knott was talking about this scene being in the wolf pen. He was the most nervous about that, and he was amazed at how tame the wolves were. And it's because the zoo—they filmed this at the London Zoo—and uh, they said, "Well, the, the handlers said, oh, we just fed them, so they'll be good for a while.'" But uh, I guess I guess they ran long. They're supposed to be done filming by 9 a.m. And at one point, David Naughton looks up and goes, "Why do you? Have, why are all those extras here? Why do you have so many extras here?" Oh no, the zoo's open now. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> does this woman sleep <laughs> really <laughs> oh yeah that this is the scene that got him fired because you saw his dick <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've seen it. Like, oh. <laughs> that definitely had to be that definitely had to be the scene to get him fired from Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, yeah, you're done. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm making hey, a miracle and stole my balloon. <laughs> <laughs> Come over here. Smart kid. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> That's not creepy at all. <laughs> famous balloon thief. Does not know how to react to what he just saw either. He's, he kind of wants to laugh, but he's just like, I don't know. Mom takes it pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> what? And there goes the balloons. (laughs) 
I do love that scene though when he's he's running down the sidewalk and he grabs the lady's coat. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes that took. Yeah, really. A lot of weather we're having. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to play it cool, but then he's also kind of awkward, and the other guy is just like, "What is going on right now?" <laughs> I mean, would you rather have him in that coat or the balloons? Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) What? up at the zoo. <laughs> like nothing even happened. Yep. Walk with the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I love his David's reaction. He's just like, yep. Shameless bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it really makes that, you know, when, when he finally, you know, he. Mm-hmm. You know, his his life ends. It just it, it makes that even more sad at the end. Because they're they're just these two are just they're you know initially it was that you know like cute charming awkwardness and then they just they're they're so cute and fun together and it's just it really makes it more sad. This is the first thing. Like, First, because I thought this was Michael Palin. <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah, a phone quick glance. Yeah, I could see it. <laughs> or Michael Palin. Or Michael Palin and Martin Shore had a love child. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep. be quite interesting. <laughs> Michael Palin and Martin Short having a love child. Oh god. <laughs> that w- that would be interesting indeed. <laughs> Michael 
Probably one of the most rational Bobbies ever. Yeah. Dreaded F word. (laughs) Shakespeare's French. (laughs) 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 So funny story. Did you read on? Did you read on IMDb about? uh, So they had to issue four work permits for people for the cat the crew to go to Britain. So it was one for John Landis. One for Rick Baker, one for David Naughton, and they weren't going to do one for uh, a Duffin, uh, uh, Griffin Dunn at first. You know why? Know how uh, John Landis got them to do it? No, how? He was going to rewrite the film. He was going to rewrite the film to be an American werewolf in Paris. Because <laughs> the the committee that was in charge of writing those work uh, work. Past has said that there was plenty of uh, American boys in London that would love to have that job. <laughs> That's great. Shoddy <laughs> enough, there was a film called American World from Paris that came out years later. Yes, there is. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I've seen though. No, I I definitely I haven't seen it. I know of it, but I I haven't seen it. I never seen it like on the preview channel back in the day when we said go to a certain channel, certain <laughs> channel to play that game. Uh, we also had the preview channel. I remember it coming on. Up on the preview channel, like American World from Paris. I go, is it that one? No, it's not the same game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Comic relief cops. Yep. Oh, telephone boxes. <laughs> Probably don't see those around London much anymore. Well, if they go in the blue ones, they go to another dimension. Yeah, this is true. You don't see telephone booths down here much more anymore anymore either. No. You uh yeah, you you definitely don't see them uh here at all. I think I No, yeah, they yeah, they're they're pretty well gone now. I mean even Pay phones like you you don't see them much anymore. Yeah, a few years ago when uh, Nick and I went out to uh, Iowa City to be with our friend at the hospital there, uh, they had phone booths down there. We took Nick's picture in a phone booth, so we had to do <laughs> Matrix references with it. 
Which is probably one of the last American films to feature heavily a phone booth besides Bill and Ted's uh, Face of Music, which came out years later, of course. But mm-hmm. up until then, it was always uh, before, after the first Bill, two Bill and Ted movies, it became uh, the Matrix films associated with phone booths. Yeah. Yeah. I believe <laughs> this scene coming up was probably the first scene I saw as a teenager on uh, AMC is just as Dave is getting ready to kill himself, he looks out and sees Jack at the porno theater. Mm. And just thinking, like, what? Just thinking to myself, what the hell is this? A guy talking to a corpse in a porn theater. Right? <laughs> just well, that act of him to kill himself. It's just so dark. Yeah. This this vividly I remember more than anything in my brain as a teenager is seeing this part. Mm. I don't know if it was the young hormone teenager hormone Jared with the <laughs> porno theater aspect of it or just the randomness of a werewolf talking to a corpse in the back of a porn theater. <laughs> I think um I think a little bit of both. <laughs> first priority being it being a porn theater. <laughs> second thing there's a (laughs) there's a a dead guy (laughs) and a werewolf (laughs) well all the dead people that are in there but initially like you don't know that just yet right so it's like okay a porno theater full of dead people (laughs) okay then (laughs) seeing Jack's this is Jack's final phase Mm. uh what do you think of uh what's your favorite phase? This? I love how he scratches his nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he like he has any feeling left for it. Like he <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I love that because it's so just like normal, like just a normal thing you do, right? Um I think I, you know, I can't pick one. I mean, I, I really enjoy, you know, I, I think, well, I think, I, like, the second one. The second one, the, like, when he, you know, we see him in the, the mirror and then they're talking again. I, I like that one. Because it really shows that, you know, like, at the beginning he's just started to, like, it's he just got a mold and whatever, so he still has, you know, his injury. And then it just shows that passes of time and him you know that um you know uh the disintegration even more that that second time and i i really like that what's yours i like the first one in the hospital so i think i love the fresh wounds and everything on him plus it just makes me want to see that that cut more with him with the toast falling out of the slits in the neck yeah, that's true. I do love this puppet too, though. Mm-hmm. I thought that's it was not for you to see him. He's still—he's a fresh kill and pretty messy. <laughs> 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 I do look most unpleasant.
did like that random live we just passed a little bit ago, but I like that random line in the porno where the guy walks in. Just the I've never seen it before in my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that acting's way too good to be in a porno. <laughs> <laughs> I love how cheery she still is in the afterlife. Yeah, like, hi. (laughs) Alf, Ted, and Joseph. This pup was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Sleeping pills. <laughs> <laughs> Choke to death. <laughs> Shooting everything down. <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> it's, I, I love how, <clears throat> you know, it's such a, you know, a dark topic to be talking about, and yet there's just so much, like, Humor to it. I like the whole thing with the silver bullet. Don't need a silver bullet. Oh, be serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so dark. Let's on it. Let him choke. Hey, will you excuse me? This is a friend of mine. <laughs> so Jack's still sticking up for David, even though he's dead. Awkward. <laughs> Would you really want to walk up to anybody in a theater like that? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably see way worse things than a guy turning into a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Brave man who walk up to another stranger in the <laughs> dark porno theater. Yeah, really. Mad dog. Yeah. First transformation, we had Blue Moon play. Now we got porn sounds in the background. (laughs) Don't stop. Harder. I guess the porno was the first thing to be filmed during production, too. Oh, yeah. That wolf, that wolf looks so badass. It's a badass shot of it, too. Mm-hmm. 
Wessel's like the most badass shot has to be when he's uh coming out towards the escalator. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I like that one definitely because it's just you know there you you know how that's gonna end right? That's just such a cool shot. No, what I love about this third act is this is just right now we're just full chaos mode right now. Yeah. Have you seen the director cameo yet? Nope. You're about to see John Landis here in a few minutes. Just pure anarchy. I love it. Watch for a guy go through a window. Oh, that. <laughs> nope. 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 Wait for it. Right now. <laughs> we got hit, got hit by the car. That's John Landis. <laughs> <laughs> There's a disturbance at Piccadilly Circus involving a mad dog. Some sort of mad dog. I've never been to London, but I can't imagine how they got to Piccadilly Circus this quickly. Right. I had to imagine that like London traffic would be very much like either Chicago or New York or like L.A. traffic. Very much like a major U.S. city traffic. Yeah. Especially at this time of night. Yeah. And especially, too, like, if you think about, like, in London, like, they've got such narrow roads and streets and things. So, it's like, you know, you wouldn't be moving very quickly, even then. But can't think about it too hard. (laughs) Now, David mentioned earlier that when he was in bed with uh, Alex, that he has to be killed by somebody he loves. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time we've ever heard that by uh, um, by a werewolf? I think so. Because you know, because uh, Lon Chaney is killed by his father, so yeah. you can make the excuse that it works for that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the 2010 Wolfman because I haven't seen it in a while. Um, yeah, I don't remember. But mostly, but, I mean, for the most part, it's the the Wolfman lore is the silver bullet. Like it's yeah, but because you can't can't because you can't you can really exclude the I need to be killed by somebody I love because the guy that bit David was shot by the East Proctor people. So mm-hmm. this is a very sad scene, though. Mm-hmm. 
just like I, I kind of said earlier, like it just it makes it, you know, knowing how they they were, you know, as a, as you know, I can you can totally call them a couple, and you know the it just makes it so much more heartbreaking. Right there, you get that little spot that David recognizes her before he goes to pounce her. So the yeah. the David aspect, the David side of his brain, is there right before the animal takes over. Oh. Cut to the most awkward credit scene of all time. <laughs> <laughs> How great would it be if I ended the episode right there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'd be great. (laughs) There you have it. An American world in London. Mm -hmm. Kermit the Frog as himself. Miss Piggy as herself. Herself. (laughs) Oh, I love this fucking movie. So, <laughs> so those of you who know me know I love the cinema snob and uh, he likes to do fake endings during his reviews once in a while and when he was doing a review of uh, Child's Play 2 when he gets to Jenny Auguter's death he does a fake ending and it's the credits from an American world in London <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. If, if you don't watch, if you don't watch the cinema stuff on YouTube, I highly suggest you do because he is so goddamn funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've only I, I for my myself personally, I've only watched a couple of them, but I think I need to watch more because it just sounds funny. Well, I think I tagged I think I tagged you and Jeremy Lloyd in one he did for Child's Play too because at the beginning of that one that you meet uh oh hell what's his name I can't think of the dad oh Phil when you yeah. meet the dad Phil at the adoption ceremony you hear Milknarf <laughs> I don't remember that hmm. I'll I'll send you I'll send you the link for the video for Child's Play too yeah. He only does the first three. He does a lot of horror franchises, but he's only done the first three Child's Play films. Hmm. I'd yeah, love to see him the, tear like the newer Chucky films, new one. Yeah, three. What was it? Three different versions of Blue Moon. <laughs> I'm looking at the three credits. different versions of Blue Moon. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted more. Yeah. Yep. Every time I hear that last version of Blue Moon, I think of this movie every time. Wow. That last bit, congratulations to Diana. Princess Diana. Yeah, because uh, they were filming at the... They were filming at the time, or not too long after... No, I think maybe they were... The film came out not long after they announced their engagement, I think is what it was. Yeah. 
Or not long before the wedding, I believe, too. It's like an apology for the uh, David calling him the F word earlier in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Melissa, is this a film that gets better every time you watch it? Yes. <laughs> I would I would agree. I uh, um it, it it definitely is. It it just it gets it gets better. It it gets, you know, funnier, it gets a little bit more heartbreaking each time. Like it just you know, and even you know, I still find myself, like, noticing things I didn't notice before in it. Like, there's just so much, you know, little details and things to see in it. And, um, yeah, it it, it keeps uh, getting better. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I really love this movie, so. I agree. I was just talking to... Uh... Our friend Lisa from I Love That Movie of the Day, because I was talking to her about her uh, A League of Their Own episode she just did. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was telling her, I was I was busting her stones a little bit about how she's never seen the film before. <laughs> and I told her how it was, a, it was a film I grew up with. It's like one of those films that me and my brother can go back and forth line for line of. Well, and I think American World in London is getting to be like one of those films now where I can do line for line. Because I didn't do a pre-watch for this. I didn't have the time that mm-hmm. I wanted to get a rewatch. So, like, you know what? I know this film well enough. I can sit and watch it and, like, and know what it is. And, or yeah. know enough to speak intelligently about it. So Yeah. I mean, even, even myself, like, I've seen it, you know, several times now. And... And I only watched maybe over half of it today. Just I didn't happen to get back to to watching it. Um, but um, yeah, like even I, you know, you know the lines, you know the scenes. You know, I may not know some of them word for word, but you know, I know it pretty well. You know, because it's just it's such a. I think it's just it's so memorable too. It is. It's on the list of a thousand and one movies to see before you die, mm-hmm. with good reason. <laughs> to try Absolutely. to think of like how many how many horror comedies there are out there that do such a perfect balance of horror and comedy, and I think this one is yeah. like sets the bar. I, I think because because so. you got those horror movies that, and I think just unintentionally become funny because mm. of how bad they are. Yeah. But there are some out there that do a good balance, do a good job of balancing like like the Tales from the Crypt films, uh Bordeaux Blood and um uh Demon Knight do a good job of like balancing like the humor and the horror. Mm-hmm. But then you get something for example like Friday the thirteenth part five where it's so bad that you just laugh at it or Freddy's Dead the Final Nightmare. Or it's, in a way, it's so bad it's funny. Or you got, or Seed of Chucky is more horror, it's more comedy than it is horror. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, this, this one definitely, it it has that that good balance of everything. Like, it's got the good balance of humor, it's got the good balance of, 
of horror and it's also got you know that little bit of heart to it and it's just such a perfect uh, a perfect blend of everything and and it's never it, it's never too much of anything either like it it doesn't go over the top on anything like it it could very well could have you know like it it, it could have very well gone just you know way over the top and just you know a little bit like really but it didn't and it just it, it just flows so well with everything and you know and the fact that you know 40 years later it's still a great movie and it still holds up with the effects and everything and it, it's just a really well done film and you can't even find movies that were made five to ten years ago that would are gonna look this good in 40 years yeah it's it's a little bit a little bit sad to think about that isn't it like you know all these films and things that were made you know 40 plus years ago they still hold up and then within five years which really isn't that i mean it's it's a big big enough chunk of time but it's also not that big and yet it doesn't hold up like it's just interesting how it, you know film has changed like that i look at three films to come out of like the 70s and 80s that still look good now i think of bruce the shark from jaws uh the wolf in this film and then uh the thing that came out a year later look at them in this day and age look how good they look now mm-hmm. you know it, they none of those would hold up if they were made within the last five years i mean i think a lot well i mean a lot of them i bet would be just you know computer generated and then just wouldn't look the same it would look i don't know i <laughs> it would look really fake but you know, it's those practical effects that just, you know, are incredible. It's great to have something to act up against. It looks mm-hmm. more believable. Exactly. Like, I, think I, 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 think it, I think it was a nostalgia critic. Um, for one thing, he makes fun of. It's like, yeah, I've been watched, I rewatched his videos he did in the Elvin the Chipmunks films. Mm. And you, for example, you watch uh, David Cross, his watch his line of sight when he's trying to look at one of the chipmunks. You can tell he's not looking at anything. Mm-hmm. He's look, looking right over Alvin's head. Yeah. That, don't have that line of sight there. Yeah. Like I, I just, I can't imagine, you know, acting to, to nothing like that or not having tennis balls. Yeah. Like, I mean, even, I mean, even that may, be better because then well i mean it, it helps for the you know when you're doing the cg so you have that sort of point and you know molding the character around that but you know it must be really hard to act to something like that you know when you you don't have something to look at you really have to sort of i'm sure wrap your head around like okay try and picture the character you're talking to you know like <laughs> they no, this isn't just a green ball this isn't just whatever it's this character so you kind of you know that that must be really hard to you know try and be believable like you're actually talking to something 
Mosa, how about we uh, bring it on home here? What are your final thoughts on American World in London? I really love the movie, and um, <laughs> I, I think it's it's great, and it keeps getting better each time um, I give it a watch, which is fairly often. I mean, although recently it was, it had been a little bit since I had last seen it, but um, you know, I still do see it, you know, fairly often, and you know, it, it it's always it's, it's always a fun watch, and um, you know I always enjoy it. And you know I'm 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 really glad that I that <laughs> you influenced me to to watch it a second time and really give it a good second chance because it, it's a really good movie. And um, yeah, I I really I really enjoy it. It is just. Um, really well done. I love the practical effects. The awesome werewolf transformation. Like, and the fact that it, it still blows my mind that it's, you know, that this movie's 40 years old and it, it still just is flawless. And, um, you know, it, that it looks as good as it does. But, you know, that it, it just shows the talent of, of Rick Baker and, you know, his creativity too. And um, but yeah, I I really really love this movie and it's it's a very well done film. Awesome. I go. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little worried about doing a commentary track on this film because you, if you're listening to commentary tracks by either on DVDs or in podcasts, there's just times where the, the people doing the commentary just get sucked into the movie. And you don't hear any words out of them mm-hmm. for a while. I was actually of all of the three commentaries we've done, including this one. I believe so far this is the one I thought I was gonna get sucked into the most and not talk much, just because I love this movie. <laughs> it's one of those films. If I had cable and I caught it on TV, I would watch it at whatever point it's on. Mm. I think I said a couple times before in this episode already. It's that scene in the porno theater just locked that I saw as a teenager. And I wasn't even a huge horror movie fan back then, but that scene just stuck with me. We'll have to decipher later, like we said, which part of it did stick with me. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's a movie I've grown, I've grown such affection for over the years. The more and more I watch it, I've watched it. I think it was the first film I watched when I moved in my apartment last year. I was unpacking everything, and I've seen it a handful of times since then. It's every time it comes, I re I re listen to the episode of uh, Pods and Monsters that our friends Robert and India do, because yeah. I love the film so much and I love hearing their outtake on it. It's just one of those films I love to talk about. I love to watch because I just get so sucked into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but in the, it, this is John Landis's favorite film of his and I think it's also my favorite John Landis film and I'm a huge John Landis is in my top five directors like I love Animal House I love Blues Brothers I love coming to America and trading places but I I uh, I haven't he doesn't have a part he doesn't have a part with the new coming to America does he I haven't seen that one yet but um, Burke and Hare I really enjoyed I haven't seen uh, what was that film he did um I think of that gorilla film he did years and years ago before he did this. But oh, yeah. I think hand, hands down, An American World in London is my favorite John Landis film of all time. 
And if you have not seen this film yet, do us a favor, go out and see it. Yeah. It's not, not too scary, not too funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's definitely worth a watch. And um, yeah, I, I have to say the same. Like, it would definitely be be my number one. Although, like, I, I, I really love this movie. It would be, I think, my first choice for a favorite line this film. But then, I mean, you know, for me, Blues Brothers is also, you know, a, really, it's, it's those two films really fight for first because i mean i i watched blues brothers before i saw this one and i've seen blues brothers i don't know how many times like i watch that often it's (laughs) i just i love it so much um but i you know i've come to really love this one too so yeah it's it's definitely a, a number one film for sure blues brothers that's a close sec like a very close second, but Merrick Wolf first one. Mhm. Absolutely. So I'm almost convinced. I thought the name of that film was gonna pop into my head that, <laughs> that I was thinking of, and it, it hasn't yet. I know I'm gonna kick myself when I do hear it. But um. <laughs> so Melissa, work in our listeners keep up with you if they choose to well they can keep up with me on um on instagram on instagram and twitter um on instagram i'm uh, miss melissa n25 um on there i just post like a lot of nature pics and elusive selfie sometimes um and then just sometimes some memes but just a whole lot of randomness um and then i also have a art page um where i have weird and wacky drawings on there and it's called scribbles of a wannabe drawer it's all one word nothing fancy um and then on twitter it's i also have um scribbles of a wannabe drawer is on there as well and i post um i haven't posted on there in a while but um i usually post the art that i do during the last drive-in so I, it's called The Last Draw-In. So I, I watched The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, and I pick a scene from a film that, that they feature, and I draw a character or scene from it or something, and then I post it up on there. Um, and that's where you can find me. And where can they find you, Jared? The name of the movie was Schlock. I thought of it. <laughs> 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 I'm leaving that in. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, you can keep up with me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista, M-I-S-T-A underscore J. That's where you find pictures of my cats and my beard. <laughs> and all random memes I share about beards and how fucking amazing they are. <laughs> but, uh, as a podcast as a whole, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nerd Nations Podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to us as a podcast and listen to more episodes, or either go back to previous ones or con- or continue following um, our more recent ones, um, you can find us on our home at Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. And stay tuned to your podcast feeds because our next episode, we are going to have 
a first-time guest, but also a familiar voice that you've heard on the show before. Well, we're going to try something new. We're going to be talking uh, tarot cards with our good friend, Ken Boggle, who you know from our Grinch episode, who did that excellent intro for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, the world's still scary out there, guys. And the best way to stay safe and be good people is three things. Stay clear of the moors. Beware of the moon. And be excellent to each other. And nerd on, dudes. Hashtag release the land is cut. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.